0: You're listening to The Domecast, where news and observer journalists take a look back and forward in North Carolina politics.
1: Hi, I'm Lynn Bonner, reporter with The News and Observer. I'm here with The Domecast today. I'm your Captain Janeway today. And I'm here with the other NNO all-stars. We've got uh, Brian Anderson, Craig Jarvis, Colin Campbell, Jordan Schrader, and the man with the fax at his fingertips, Will Doran. We've had a huge, huge week this week politically in the state. Um, we've had uh, the first gubernatorial debate. The Clinton rally, uh, we're into the legislative frenzy as they pass bills trying to end the session. So uh, a lot to talk about, let's get started. Um, Will and Brian, you listened uh, to the, uh, the Cooper McCrory debate today. Well, I'm sure they relied entirely on the facts. Tell us what happened.
2: Well, you know, as with anything, there are some facts and there are some, you know. Non-facts.
1: Maybe some non-facts
2: <laughs> or some semi-facts. or. <laughs> but, uh, no, they, uh, they touched on um, several different uh, topics. Uh, taxes were a big, uh, you know, big kind of squabble uh, for both of them. You know, who has raised taxes more, who has cut taxes more, who has cut taxes more for, you know. The right reasons, the right. middle class, all these sorts of things. Um, lots of facts there. I'll be looking into plenty of those claims in the future for Politifact, but uh, you know, I'm I will admit that I don't know a lot of them at the moment. Right, yeah. There were well, quite do you have a fact lot. Check but um,
1: coming up for tomorrow,
2: yes, there were. What I've looked at so far is the more education related things. Yes, um, and there was a lot. Oh, Did they talk
1: about that? Yeah, that came really? up. Really? Okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> <what they> <laughs> Teacher pay oh. was a big thing. Huh. Um, and one of the, uh, I guess more head scratching lines for me was um, when uh, the governor accused Roy Cooper of being complicit in uh, the state's uh, dropping teacher pay rankings during the Mike Easley and Bev Purdue. Governorships. Mm-hmm. Was um, he
1: in the legislature? Was Cooper in the legislature he was not. at
2: that time? Okay. He was not. Um, he was the attorney general during both right. their things. And okay. obviously, as attorney general, you have some political clout to kind of you know, you
1: know, yeah.
2: raise your fist at some politicians right. if they're doing you know things that you don't like. But uh, attorney generals don't really have much to do with education funding. Hmm. Um, and Cooper made the uh, counterclaim that actually, when he was in the legislature, um, which coincided with Jim Hunt, who, as you know, is you know the education Education governor governor, (laughs) Um, that they um, raised teacher pay to above the national average that also was not true they raised teacher pay to almost the national average and it was above the national median but as we know from our sixth grade math classes there's a difference right (laughs) yeah median so you know there were there were a lot of claims kind of on both sides that were you know eh, you know caused you to raise an eyebrow a little bit um, yeah
1: but i saw from someone's uh, inbox that both sides are claiming that <laughs> i won so uh,
3: that would be can... my email inbox yes, it's that, been yes. been flooded yes. <laughs> with campaign fact checks which still is not huh. necessarily as will would say fact right okay yeah
1: well all right and uh, brian what were your takeaways from that debate
3: i think that obviously The issues were at the forefront with education, with crime, but one of the the ones that resonated with me was when Roy Cooper, toward the end, he talked about um, funding drug courts uh, and making sure that people get turned in the right uh, direction after they've overcome addiction or are in the process of overcoming addiction. And one of the things that uh, the Attorney General Roy Cooper had to say about McCrory was, and I quote, he's also not funded drug courts and how they could get people turned in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you look at the current governor's bill uh, in the health and human services section, there's a part that's going to have $30 million investment Um, which would improve the lives of people with mental illness and substance use disorders. And this was something that was talked about a little bit after he signed uh, the opioid reversal drug bill. So it's still at a a point of conversation with – Uh, McCrory, but it's certainly one of those things that will need to be addressed more in the future.
1: Right. I don't recall whether any of that money has made it into the legislative budget, but it's certainly something to go back and look and check. Mm -hmm. You know, McCrory made a huge deal about drug courts when he was first elected, Um, and um, I'm not quite sure how much money they've gotten, if any. I know after the first budget, he said, well, we've got something now that's better than drug courts. I don't know what what, what that would be. But um, interesting point, He because McCrory has made a huge issue of that.
3: And if you look at just outside of the issues, because that seems to be where a lot of just kind of the nature of debates tends to take place, not necessarily focused on the issues, but focused on the person. And it seemed that listening to, to Governor McCrory, he was taking credit for, according to Cooper, some things that he had no control over uh, and deflecting blame on people for his own shortcomings. And if you look at what uh, McCrory was saying, you had uh, attacks on education associating uh, Roy Cooper with former governors that might not necessarily have been a good association. Mm -hmm. So it seemed that this was a, a debate filled with personal attacks as well. And one of the disappointing things for me was that the debate itself was just six questions, take away the opening and closing statements. and
1: Did they get to HB2 at all?
3: They, they certainly did get to, to House Bill 2. And Cooper saying it's costing North Carolina millions and millions of dollars. And, but essentially the debate, 42 uh, minutes long, and then the introduction itself was 25 minutes. Wow. Uh, so that was probably one of the more surprising figures to me out of the day.
1: Right. Yes. OK. Well, uh, as I said, you can read more about that debate um, in the NNO tomorrow. Uh, but we also had uh, some more politicians talking. Uh, we had uh, Clinton in Raleigh this week, and uh, she hit on – she had an economic message uh, for the crowd and hit on a lot of populist themes about interest, infrastructure uh, – Uh, development and building roads and bridges and job creation and um, debt-free schools uh, debt-free college uh, for people who want to go to public schools Um, and uh, Brian, you had mentioned and put in the story that it sounded a lot like Bernie Sanders. I, I convinced you to take it out. But um, then we got some calls from people saying, hey, is this Clinton or is it Bernie Sanders? So <laughs> so Brian, t- tell me what you thought. I mean, was she kind of uh, rolling some of the Bernie themes into a big speech?
3: Well, I mean, if you look at one of the more famous lines, it was something along the lines of Clinton saying, we need to build an economy that works for all, not just those at the top. and. If you close your eyes and just listen to those words, that sounds like something Bernie Sanders has said several times. And uh, listening to Bernie Sanders in an interview uh, this morning with CNN, right now he said he would vote for Hillary Clinton in November, but he also said that right now the point of uh, his duty is to focus on the policy discussions that are taking place and trying to get Hillary Clinton to take a more populist tone, but at the same time – there's might be an opportunity cost to your existing messages becoming a little bit blurred.
1: Right. I heard that he was, said he was going to vote for her, but he wasn't ready to endorse her. Is that right?
3: From, from what I've heard, that's correct at this point, okay. uh, based on his interview earlier this morning. I mean, he's at the point where he wants to rally support for the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just trying to exert policy influence over Clinton, it seems, Once Clinton starts maybe talking more about these issues, uh, in the near future it's very possible that Sanders could potentially endorse her uh, and swing some votes her way during the convention.
1: Yeah, it's um, more to come, certainly, on that one. And uh, Colin will be going to both the Democratic and Republican convention. So we can get a lot of uh, first-hand news from Colin in the the next couple of months as he uh, travels around the country to to report on our delegation. Uh nationally there was a sit-in um in the US House of Representatives and uh you talked to some of our representatives who participated. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, uh well I this is probably the first time in my life I I'm saying this and I never thought I would, but I could not stop watching C SPAN. <laughs> it was uh a very unusual circumstance starting around eleven twenty-five A.M. Wednesday. uh, There was a protest from the House Democrats, uh, basically arguing that the Republican leadership in the House has not brought forth and introduced uh, gun legislation. Democrats realistically know that it would probably not necessarily pass. They just want a vote on the record about it to get the opinions out there uh, and to possibly frame the Republicans in a negative light based on their votes. Uh, But Around 10 p.m. on Wednesday, Speaker Ryan came over and tried to proceed with business as usual. Democrats were chanting, no bill, no break. They weren't really uh, having—they weren't letting uh, Paul Ryan to proceed with his message. And around midnight, I was trying to get a hold of the North Carolina representatives on the Democratic side, which would be Alma Adams, G.K. Butterfield, and David Price— and to my surprise, I got a response from Alma Adams calling me at 2 in the morning.
1: Fantastic. Were you still awake?
3: I, oh, I was still awake till about 4 a.m. That's as much as I could take of it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was right before they adjourned uh, and adjourned until July 5th, if I'm correct in that. Uh, but she was – you're obviously not supposed to have cell phones on the floor. They used Periscope to stream the protest after the House – shut down um, the C-SPAN cameras. So uh, Representative Adams was talking with me from the cloakroom on her cell phone, basically describing why, uh, even though they don't think anything would be passed, she still wants it, uh, gun control legislation to be a talking point in discussion. So uh, I have an audio clip from my interview uh, that you're going to hear, and that's basically her talking about, Uh, shouting over Paul Ryan, rallying support, and trying to introduce gun control legislation just so that way uh, it can be a talking point in the wake of the Orlando shooting.
1: Well, sounds exciting. And uh, we'll hear what Alma Adams has to say about the sit-in.
4: Well, I'm, I'm on the floor. Right. Oh, as you speak, you're still in the floor. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just I stepped out into the cloakroom because you know we don't use phones on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. So I can see the floor and I can hear the the protests. Um, no bill, no break. <laughs> uh, that's what. That's what. Uh, you know. That's what we've been saying. No bill. We need to. We don't need. We need to give the people a break. The people. Ninety percent of the people want us to um, vote on some sensible uh, gun control. And, of course, there's three bills in question, and they, they actually don't infringe on anybody's right, uh, anybody's uh, Second Amendment right to purchase a weapon. What it does, uh, if you're on the no-fly list, you shouldn't be able to buy a, uh, a weapon, we are, Democrats are outnumbered in this House. And so we simply want an opportunity to vote, to have discussion and debate around these issues and vote. So you can vote yes or you can vote no. And, but to, and we believe that the public uh, wants to know and should know, um, how their members Feel about these issues. So, we want to, I mean, they want to know how how we vote on things. Mm
5: -hmm. And so,
4: when we uh, don't um, allow a vote or the discussion, we're either afraid for people to know where we stand, um, or we're being controlled by organizations like the NRA, who who just seems to have a stronghold uh, here. And in my opinion, kind of holding the, the, the holding us hostage.
3: Uh, I wanted to hear what the environment was like from your perspective around the, the time, I think that was 10.30 or so, when Speaker Ryan, mm-hmm. or 10, 10 p.m., when Speaker Ryan was trying to get things <laughs> in order and to keep it moving along. How,
4: what was that environment well, like for you? That, that happened twice, actually, you know, when he came back in uh what was it about six thirty or so uh we had the well i mean we were sitting on the floor and uh he went up and you know still tried to conduct business but he he uh, and, and we did vote, you know but he was overshadowed uh he he, it, he was he, he clearly was not in control of the chamber because we didn't allow him to speak
1: Okay, we're back. Um, as I said, uh, the bills are flying as the legislature, uh, we think, is in the last weeks of its session. Uh, the Senate had a rare Friday session today, uh, a packed calendar, and lots of committee meetings. They're starting to move a lot of bills. We might even get a budget next week, uh, says, uh, uh, say, Senate leaders. So we're going to fill you in on all that. Um, We know uh, Craig's been – has his hand on everything environment. And, uh, Craig, there's a bill moving that would restrict – uh wind power where windmills could be built i guess it's to like one square mile in haywood county there's a there is a a new map out there um that sort of blocks (laughs) off a lot of the state for 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 these wind farms can you tell us how that came about
5: um i'm not sure how it came about but harry (laughs) senator harry brown was pushing it and it has been flying through very fast so to speak it does allow he came up with a map that says planes cannot fly in these colored areas near military bases and it pretty much ate up the whole state it's not just near bases it's near their flight training paths and there's there are probably haywood county i think maybe two or three other patches right, here yeah. and there but it's, it's very uh, it's very prohibitive and it's 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 to keep tall structures mainly wind turbines cell towers whatever uh out of the way uh, he's saying he has said many times it's not a pro I mean, it's a pro military uh, bill, not an anti wind bill, because there's this undercurrent of resentments about uh, alternative energy. Anyway, so um, it kind of breezed through the Senate fairly quickly. Uh, my colleague, John Murrowski, this week started looking at it a little more closely and saw that uh, there are a lot of questions still remain unanswered like, where did this really come from? Department of Defense has their own. Flight maps about you know that restrict things, and it wasn't clear that they really wanted this, or who was who really got the ball rolling. Uh, So uh, I think some of that stuff's going to get answered in the House. Uh, Right. Yeah.
1: Any idea where uh, the House sits on this?
5: We haven't heard. We haven't heard much other than from Representative Steinberg, who right. expressed some uh, caution about it or some concerns about it. Uh, he's a he's a coastal legislator. Right.
1: Uh, and I so, guess Moralski so. said that uh, wrote that uh, some of the uh, wind farms that are in the permitting process might be halted. Under
5: yeah, this. there's at least two that are well in the pipeline now. They've spent millions of dollars. They're trying. They under the expectation that they would get a. There's a whole series of permits they have to get. But this would grandfather them into the new law, which is much more restrictive and could uh, scuttle the, the whole thing. That's not clear yet, but uh, but um, it was interesting. Uh, Senator Brown just seemed to, his attitude was, well, tough luck. You know, the industry knew we were doing this some for some time and they should have just waited so, so. we got
1: some new regulations on uh one hand mm-hmm. uh you're writing a story about uh, fewer regulations on our drinking water is that right yeah it's uh, so it uh this a
5: really hasn't gotten much uh, attention but in the senate budget if it, it as far as we know i mean i guess we'll know in a few days if it stays in the budget but would basically freeze and eventually repeal the, the protection the protective rules around Falls Lake and Jordan Lake, which are big drinking water suppliers for the triangle uh, and it would it would uh, beca- and the reason for that is because things haven 't worked i mean they 've been kind of in place for six, seven, eight years now, and there hasn 't been measurable improvements uh, and the upstream people the cities Burlington and on up uh, are, have been spending a lo- would have to spend a whole lot of money if these r- rules were for, were completely uh, implemented. So they're saying, it's not working, it's too expensive, let's put the brakes on it and see what happens. Environmentalists are saying, wait a minute, this idea of stopping everything and then writing something, we don't like that, that's just, just, just vague. So uh, they're very concerned. I, mean, they, there was, I talked to uh, one of the uh, river keepers uh, today who uh, said there was a huge... Fish kill that he put at tens of thousands of fish just last weekend down, in, down near uh, Newburn, and they're, they're, the concern is that you know it's not, it wouldn't be hard to slip back into North Carolina in the '80s and '90s when there were uh, massive, massive fish kills. So, uh, and
1: this is in the budget, you
5: say? This is in the Senate budget, which was an odd place for it. It was not in a standalone bill where it could be debated. It was just kind of <laughs> what this about odd. That? Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> There was this, the odd thing, there was this little preamble to it, which is sort of like, things haven't been working, we need things to work, therefore we're going to scuttle all the plans that have been written. Anyway, it was, it was an odd, oddly worded thing, and uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes.
1: Yeah, well, we might be uh, t- able to look at that uh, in the next few days. Uh, Colin, uh, they're saying that there might be a budget agreement uh, ready to vote on next week. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah, so the la-
6: latest word from uh, Senator Apodaca and some of the folks today was that uh, they're still hopeful that uh, Monday they can roll out a budget. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, negotiations this week. Uh, it's been kicked up, as they say, to the uh, the corner offices. So uh, House Speaker Tim Moore and Senate Leader Phil Berger are sort of taking over the uh, remaining things to, to negotiate from the, uh, the budget writers uh, and trying to pass those out themselves. In fact, the, the rare Friday Senate session featured Phil Berger not in the room for half the time because I think he was going back and forth with to the uh, budget committee rooms and, and trying to deal with some of the last few things. Uh, word is that they've got an agreement on teacher raises. It's going to be sort of a mix between the House and Senate plans, but they didn't want to offer any uh, details of what that's going to look like. Still up in the air, state employee raises, uh, cost of living increase for retirees, and the uh, speed of the income tax cut that uh, is in both budgets and in slightly different fashion. So will it be as fast as the Senate wants or as slow as the House wants uh, still to be decided? But uh, they're they're hopeful that they can uh, get that out Monday and then within a few days probably ram it through in the hopes that they can get done by the 4th of July or at least uh, a few days after the 4th of July.
1: Ram, figuratively speaking, that again yeah (laughs) we'll say rush it through um okay and uh not everything has been stuffed into the budget um you uh covered some uh something brewing in the legislature uh, yeah (laughs) i guess it's wacky tea this time
6: yeah so this was um kratom tea um which was uh, something I had never heard of. Um, apparently, it's uh, it's considered a drug. It's basically a sort of a herbal plant. I think grew originally in Thailand. Now is made in South Florida, as all interesting drugs are. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, It is currently available, I think, in in powder form in some convenience stores, as well as at a tea bar in, of all places, Carborough. not surprising to anyone. Um, So
1: is it an actual herb, or is it just a powder?
6: It is an herb, and then it's been sort of converted to powder form, so people can mix into their drinks. Basically, it sort of functions as a painkiller. Some people are using it sort of as an alternative to opiates, um, Mm. but there's a concern that kids are going to get it, that it is somewhat addictive, although the supporters say, oh, it's no more different than coffee or sugar, so I haven't tried it myself. Uh, Mm. There had been free samples. Was available at the legislature. If uh, I had known, yeah, I know I would have tried it. There was it was actually outside one of the committee rooms a couple weeks ago when they were hearing this bill. These little plastic cups of what looked like uh, iced sweet tea, which I'm sure a lot of people picked up and said, "Ooh, free sweet tea!" But uh, there's a little handwritten sign next to it that said "Kratom tea" or "Kratom tea," and uh, uh, please try some. So the, the bill sponsor said he was not willing to be a guinea pig and, and try it himself. Well,
1: I heard a description that it made you feel calmer and also gave you more energy, which is an interesting combination. So. Yeah,
6: it's strange. I also read that it makes sure your lips numb initially uh, and yeah. then it doesn't taste very good. Well, coffee um,
1: makes my lips numb,
5: which is yeah. why I kind of drink it. This is a yeah. real so, endorsement yeah. uh, for that product. Yeah. In general. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, even the
6: woman who, who sells it said, well, you know, so this bill is basically just going to say it's only going be sold to people 18 and up, and she's saying, well, I agree with that. I don't sell to people underage, but uh, there's not a clamor for kids to get a hold of this because it doesn't taste good. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> terrible.
1: Yeah, something else big moving, something they've been talking about for a couple of years now, which is uh, body cameras. A huge debate on that in the House floor uh, this week. Um, Tell us where the uh, fault lines are.
6: Yeah, so that's uh, an interesting one where I think not all the Democrats are necessarily on the same page in terms of how they voted. Uh, Currently, body cam images, because they're sort of a new technology, aren't really under the public records law at all. Uh, Police departments can release them if they want to, but they can also say, no, it's not a public record, you can't have it. Under this bill, um, if you were featured in the body cam image uh, or you're the lawyer or family member of someone who is, you can request it from the police department. Uh, they can release it uh, or use one of a number of excuses and exceptions not to release it and if you don't like their um, ruling on it, you can take it up with the judge and the judge can order uh, the release of the the body cam footage. Um, so the sentence, I guess that's uh, an op- more open records law than we've got right now, but the concern among a lot of Democrats uh, who voted against it was that it's not open enough, that uh, if you have an incident like a police-involved shooting, um, there's many, many ways in which they could try to withhold the uh, tape, including from even, say, a city council that wants to see, hey, should we you know, fight a lawsuit on this? Do we need to fire our police chief because this is wrong? Uh, there, there's still a lot of circumstances under which these uh, images could be kept under wraps. And, of course, the other side of it is the privacy concerns. Is uh, a police officer wearing a body cam goes into your house, uh, you don't really want – uh, people to be broadcasting the video of what the inside of your house looks like uh, right. to the world. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, if, if that changes at all before it heads to, to the governor's desk, but certainly uh, makes for an interesting debate amid all the news at the national level.
1: Yes, that is in the Senate now. Is yeah, that? It heads
6: yeah. to the Senate to... Uh, take a vote on that. We'll see if they take it up. That's a, a, sort of the wild card in the last week or so of the legislature is you got these bills that have to cross over and the other chamber can decide whether it's a priority or not. And if it's not a priority, they don't do it and the bill can't come back till next year and even then you'd have to start the process all over again.
1: Something that emerged today, uh, Friday afternoon, was this bundle of uh, proposed constitutional amendments um, limiting uh, uh, personal and corporate income taxes, uh, preserving the right to hunt and fish, and uh, protecting personal property. Um, we hear Senator Apodaca, uh, rules chairman in the Senate, says uh, that's going to be in the House floor on Monday. Colin, you've written a little bit about uh, the 5.5% cap. Um, what would it do?
6: Yeah, so that would restrict, uh, assuming voters uh, approved it in, in November, uh, r- prevent the future legislatures from ever raising income taxes above 5.5%. Uh, current Under current law, starting next year, we're going to go down to 5.499%. Uh, So this basically says uh, no matter what happens, there will no longer be any potential for income tax increases. There's concern, of course, is that that would mean that if there's a budget crisis, A, you might run out of money and have to cut a lot of services, or B, you might have to raise revenue off of sales taxes because that's really your only other option uh, if you can't increase income taxes. So I suspect we're going to see some uh, party line uh, divides on, on this issue when this comes up. Uh, of course, now it's, it's going to be paired with these other two uh, things that I think also are, are designed to boost conservative turnout come uh, the November election. Uh, you know, if you can get people out to uh, say yes to lower taxes, hunting, and uh, opposing eminent domain, that's uh, probably a good thing to energize the, deb- the base. Um, and I noticed that this was uh, put out as House Bill 3, which we, we thought was funny because, of course, House yeah. Bill 2 has gotten so much attention So uh, I think it needs a slogan uh, You know, if you, if you loved House Bill 2 You're going to really love House, House Bill, Bill 3, three. Yeah. The sequel <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah well uh, We need uh, super majorities in the Senate And the House to uh, Get that package onto The ballot in November uh, Senate vote next week We'll see what happens And uh, the man sort of uh, conducting The whole thing um, Senator Tom Apodaca uh, Jordan, you haven't had an interview with Apodaca. This is his last session made, uh, it, uh, as a senator. May come back as a lobbyist. We don't know. But he had an interview with him. Uh, tell us what he said.
0: Yeah, I went to see him because we kept seeing his name in co- connection with everything this session, um, and I didn't know if this was always the case. So I asked him if he was getting all these controversial assignments because he was on his way out, and uh, and he he sort of. Said, yeah, yeah, give it to Mikey. He'll, he'll, you know, he'll do anything, you know. So he, uh, he, he uh, kind of half agreed with that. But no, he, he basically said no. It's, it's that uh, his job is to uh, take Senator Berger's agenda, the Senate Pro Tem, and essentially get it, uh, get it passed, get it moving. And uh, so we talked uh, about a couple of those things he's been involved with uh, tuition most prominently. He wants to. He has a proposal to lower tuition. Uh, at select universities, and he said that uh, uh, two of the three HBCUs, the Historically Black Universities, that were taken out of the bill after a protest from HBCU students and alumni, um, two of them have been uh, asking to be put back in. One he wouldn't name, but he said Elizabeth City State was the other, and he uh, he said that they may Elizabeth City State at least may end up back in the bill. So he talked a little bit about uh, about that. Uh, he's also been involved with this. Uh, Uh, push late in the session to put some restrictions on year-round schools Uh, He's been involved with uh, the the income taxes that you talked about, a whole bunch of things.
1: You know, it's quite interesting about that tuition bill. Um, He says that um, some schools want back in. Uh, There is a movement among some alumni from his alma mater, Western Carolina, to get their school out of it. So uh, there's been uh, sort of a testy back and forth with uh, some of the other alums and and, uh, Senator Apodaca. We'll see if they um, make any headway. Um, but they are objecting to, uh, you know, some of the email traffic tra- 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 I read is their school being viewed as something akin to a community college or a place where, you know, low-income students are going to flock to. So, yeah, you don't um,
0: want to be the discount school. Yeah, uh, well, and, and, and the other complaint or question was about whether the legislature would really follow through to backfill the money that was lost by reducing tuition to $500 a a semester as as the original version of the proposal uh, said and uh, Apodago was really uh, touting the fact that this bill would also across the UNC system would really uh, give people some some idea of what their tuition would be because it would lock in tuition rates for four years for students. Uh, And he says he thinks that it will be in the final budget so we will have to We'll have to see. Uh, I did uh, talk to him about a few other things, which we uh, have some audio of, uh, including uh, why he doesn't eat in the uh, Senate uh, cafeteria. And... uh, Uh, what uh, why there's legislation this year named after his dog raleigh apodaca Uh, his late uh, bulldog unfortunately Uh, but uh, he is on his way out and he's uh, says he's gotten a couple job offers so we may see him again
1: well i guess if you're naming bills after your late dog you're really going through your entire agenda okay now uh take a little break and we will come back with one of my favorite segments headliner of the week
7: you know i was looking at whether to file for re-election and, you know, all the things we set out in 2010 uh, that we wanted to do when we took over, we've pretty well done. And so now I find us playing more defense than offense, and it's time to let others have it. And, you know, I don't I don't want to be a career politician. My last campaign campaign, my opponent called me a career politician, kind of hurt, and I said, you know what, it's probably time to move on. So <laughs> here we go uh you don 't make a lot of friends in as a rules chair um, you have to say no to people, and people you know naturally do not like to be told no and so I find myself eating in my myself eating in my office a lot i don 't go to the cafeteria uh at lunch because it's, I get overwhelmed by folks and uh it 's a tough job but it 's really an enjoyable job We have a good group of folks here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, this happened in the very beginning. It was a a lobbyist, and uh, she's still here. I'm not going to call her out by name, but she came up and told me she hadn't seen any change in the way things ran now as when the Democrats had controlled it. And I told her, thank you, because I always thought the Democrats ran a very tight ship, and uh, we try to do that ourselves. Oh, Raleigh was my English bulldog. Uh, He came, I picked him up, as a matter of fact, my first term, 2003, our previous dog had passed away, she was 13. Uh, one of my sons found Raleigh in a house in Sanford, and so on the way home, I stopped and picked him up. He was six weeks old, mm-hmm. and um, he had been with us, so we had to have him put down Uh, September 1st of last year and he was just a great part of the family and it was kind of interesting how staff that we were doing this bill for service dogs we'd had about five or six different bills come through for local and we said we just need to go ahead and make this a statewide bill that folks can adopt and take their service dogs when they retire the dogs retire and so some staff members said well we're going to name it after Raleigh so I was touched by that I really was, and he, he means a lot. I miss him every day.
0: Why did you call him Raleigh?
7: Well, that's a great story. My wife said she uh, lost a husband and gained a dog to Raleigh, and so that's where the name Raleigh came from. She was none too happy when I decided to serve. Um, I've looked at some government relations work. I really enjoy business uh, economic development, and I've had a couple of job offers, and so we got a lot to think about.
0: Who's offered you a job? Oh, us uh, it's,
7: it's on? best on I say. <laughs> These are lobbyist jobs, though. No, 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 no no. no, no, no. These are uh, corporations. Okay. Uh, so maybe can. some government relations, but public relations.
3: Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week? Who is your headliner of the week?
1: Head head. Headliner of the Week. Okay, time for headliners. I guess we'll go around the table. Brian, who you got?
3: Well, uh, certainly was an interesting week at the national level. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the experience that we had going to the Hillary Clinton rally. I guess for a headline, I'll call it uh, Bernie Clinton. It sounded that Hillary had a lot of Bernie Sanders-like messages uh, throughout the course of her economics, uh, policy-based speech. She was slamming Trump very often, um, but obviously kind of the, the bigger surprise out of it was just echoing a lot of the similar messages that Sanders has echoed about income inequality, debt-free colleges. Um, so that will be my headliner of the week.
1: Okay, we've got Bernie Rodham Clinton. Okay, Jordan.
0: Headliner. I'll keep mine short and sweet. Uh, no surprise, it's Tom Apodeca. He's been involved in uh, everything, including these uh, year-round schools and uh, and tuition. And we'll see kind of what makes it out of uh, out of there. But uh, even the uh, uh, kind of gut and amend process, he got a, a good quote uh, on that this week in the in the Insider. Our friends in the Insider uh, talked to him and. Uh, And when they asked him about whether all these bills should be gutted and replaced with something totally different uh, and whether that's good for transparency, he said, hey, it's a beautiful thing because uh, it means we're on our way out of here.
1: Well, Tom Apodaca, the uh, strong personality in uh, the state Senate. Colin, nominee?
6: I'm going to go with the story we hadn't really talked about much uh, that came out of a committee meeting today in the Senate. I'm going with Senator Tamara Beringer. Of Carrie, who uh, is sort of known to be an advocate for uh, troubled kids uh, in, in the legislature, uh, and the, the bill that she had today that uh, passed the uh, Senate Health Committee. Uh, was about uh, a problem apparently that exists with parents who have, I guess, troubled teens, troubled kids, and sort of, sort of at their wits' end. So they apparently have been going on the internet and finding uh, guardians who are willing to take on these kids uh, who end up being completely strangers. So so her bill is designed at uh, sort of criminalizing people who uh, give their kids to what she described as a stranger at the rest stop. Uh, apparently it has been a problem and resulted in some kids uh, getting into human trafficking sort of situations. So under no, her does
1: it penalize the stranger or the parent,
6: both. Um, uh, pretty much every adult in this tr- sort of transaction uh, would be guilty in this case of a misdemeanor. If the kid comes to some form of harm, it becomes a felony, uh, and it's also a, a mandate that the uh, Department of Health and Human Services look into uh, some programs to help uh, keep families together when they have troubled kids or, or some sort of issue that might result in this kind of situation. So, for her work on that, uh, Tamara Beringer for uh, Headline of the Week.
5: All right, Craig. Well, this may seem a little lazy, but I'm going to go with Raleigh Apodaca, uh the late great Raleigh Apodaca. Uh t- Tom Apodaca said on the Senate floor that he was the smartest of his three children actually uh, but seriously, it became the title of a of a bill that was about allowing law enforcement to take uh to retire with their service dogs and uh, so that was kind of a cool thing
0: it was originally a bill about uh dealer license plates, right? that I, I think, think that's right so It turned we, into so a bill turned about turned dogs yeah oh,
1: wow okay yeah. well we've got some uh, four strong strong nominees here I'm going to go with uh, Jordan's uh, Tom Apodaca and I'll tell you right now the whole thing is rigged Jordan is my boss so um there we go Jordan uh by virtue of your superiority you uh ha- have uh, one headliner this week Thanks everybody. Uh, thanks you for listening. This year's raise. Thank uh, you. Raise. <laughs> so all that's uh, that's all. What, that's right, 1%. Uh, one one6
6: percent. If you wanted to retire though, I, so <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, reporters don't retire. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Domecast, and we'll see you next week.